Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Looney stops in the paint to Draymond, handoff Curry. Deep three on the way with one on the clock. Back rim miss. Looney again finds Thompson, loads up a triple. Good! It's madness! Just madness! Now back to 95-7, the game. Chills. Chills when I hear that. Just chills. 95-7, the game. Allen Siles and Shamari Block taking it through this Sunday fun day, a sunny Sunday. And we are joined by the one, the only Mark DeLucci covers the covers the Giants for just baseball. And he is a prospect writer for baseball prospectus. And I almost said Warriors right there, Mark, because I know you can get into some Warriors too. And we might do that as well. If you got some time, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. You know, we, 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 like like you said, Bay Area sports, wherever we're going with it, I'm ready I'm ready to go with you guys. So in, in, enjoying the Sunday. Enjoying I've been listening. How y'all doing? Good, man. Well, I mean, I'm ready to rock and roll. I know you, you, you know, you are not very shy on Twitter. Sometimes I'll say some things on Twitter, and Mark DeLucci will chime in with some facts, and I'll get fact-checked real quick. So I appreciate that. You, you know, you, you kind of keep me in check, and I know you, you do the same thing with Shamari. Hey, man, you know, we all. We are each other, you know, we got to look out. I hear you. I hear you. Okay, well, let's start here. Let's start with the, you know, the main thing going on. It's interesting because, in a way, Mauricio Dubon found his, found a way to be extremely polarizing in his play. I mean, a pretty high ceiling when you look at his tools. He's a wiry guy, got a cannon for an arm, but the baseball IQ has been upsetting for people when he does things that doesn't tend to make a, a lot, a lot of sense. So the the Giants go ahead and trade him to the Astros to get back Michael Papierski, a, a catcher that, you know, doesn't have any major league at-bats. What does it say about Dubon? He was actually been hitting really well with some power. And what does it say about Joey Bart with the Giants bringing in another catcher? Yeah, you know, I, I think this is one of those cases where, you know, Farhan Zaidi's always making moves, right? And he's always thinking about depth. And I, and I think, like, this is one of those where, what Dubon has done, what Dubon has done really well throughout his Giants career is hit against left-handed pitching and play defense in center field, right? The infield defense has been solid, but there's been some moments, like you say, sometimes the, the routine play, he'd scuff, obviously the base running, you know, even though he's, he's a good athlete, you know, there's, there's been plenty of mistakes over the years there, but he hits left-handed pitching. and He's a really good defensive center fielder. And I think the kind of thing he got hit by kind of some bad luck over the past two years in that the Giants didn't necessarily need that a whole lot, right? Steven Duggar emerged as you know a great, uh, you know he's obviously great defensively in center, and then he was hitting enough last year, so that defensive need wasn't necessarily there in center. Austin Slater obviously can play defensive center, and he's crushed lefties even more than Dubon. 
And then what really I think is ultimately what, what sent us here where the Giants are just kind of moving on from him is then Tyro Estrada emerges last year, right? This right-handed hitting, former shortstop, capable of playing all over the infield, now basically the everyday second baseman with Tommy LaStella out. And so it kind of put Dubon in this position where he, you know, he hasn't really gotten consistent big league at-bats. When he's gone down to AAA, he's well. Giants. He's been a below average hitter against righties and a really good hitter against lefties. But obviously, you're not playing lefties that much, right? You know, it's it, and so it's been, I think, kind of a task where the Giants, though, have been under Zaidi because he values that big league depth. He wants all these pieces he can churn through at AAA and the bigs. He wants Gabe Kapler to have as many options as possible for pinch hitters and defensive switches and all of that stuff, right? When they're trying to optimize the lineup. But what that can mean is that sometimes push is going to come to shove and you're forced to move on from a player even though you don't want to. And that's kind of where the Giants have been, right? We remember opening day because of the lockout, all that rosters were expanded to 28 instead of 26, which meant the Giants had two extra roster spots. And we saw, right, one of the people who got those extra roster spots, Tyler Beatty, they ended up designating him for assignment. He's now in Pittsburgh and Dubon was kind of the other victim is that the giants have been trying to kind of prevent this roster crunch, right? You know, they put Jake McGee on the IL. They obviously Mastella has been hurt. They've been extending his rehab, but it kind of finally came to the point where, okay, Dubon's out of options. We can't send him to triple a anymore. And, you know, we prefer to prefer Austin Slater. We prefer Luis Gonzalez. And so at this point, we got to make a move and they end up, you know, getting Mike Papierski from the Astros. He's a guy who you hear good intangible things. He's, he's well-liked in that organization, solid defensive catcher. But like you mentioned, hasn't reached the big leagues, hasn't necessarily excelled at triple a. And you know what it means for Joey Bart. I think it's kind of secondary. Like, I don't think they're viewing Papierski as like, he's going to come in and compete. I mean, look, I, there, it's obviously a lottery ticket game, right? The main thing with Papierski is that he doesn't have to be on their 40-man roster. He doesn't have to be on their active roster. And so it just gives them a little more roster flexibility. It gives them a little more breathing room. And, yeah, it's an, another catcher here as Joey Bart's struggling. Who knows? Maybe they get Papierski in there with their hitting coaches, and he takes some big leap forward. We've seen the Giants do that before. But I think this was more about push coming to shove where, you know, the Giants, as much as they – you know, maybe didn't need Dubon. He was kind of, you know, an extra depth piece last year and this year. They know he has a valuable role to play in the bigs, and they were hesitant to just give up on that for, you know, a lower level prospect or whatever. And ultimately, though, they, they pay, they, that, and they get to take advantage of having him to play with and deploy these past couple of years. But now when push comes to shove, they probably weren't able to get as much as they would have liked in return because everyone in Major League Baseball, including the Astros, knew they had that deadline coming. Yeah, see, that's the thing that was most confounding to me is it's not trading the bond. It's it's giving it away for a pack of beaties, though, right? It's like, what, mm-hmm. what, what was this about? There have been a few other moves they've made. So in, in the past, uh, I'd say week, they let Alex Blandino go, and they bring in Stuart Fairchild in the outfield. Um, have any of these moves? Have has any of these moves they've made since I'd say the eighth? Right? Um, <laughs> yeah, we got we got to segment it by week with the idea. Yeah. yeah, right. Like, do are, do any of these have any? Do you see any of these making an impact on this team this season in in any way at all whatsoever? Well, one is they traded uh, Prelander Baroa, who's a prospect I really liked, um, but admittedly the industry seems a bit lower on, but who is at high A, kind of a high strikeout, volatile pitcher, 
um, who might have to move to the bullpen. But no, if they moved him to the Mariners for this guy named Donovan Walton, he's the one to keep an eye on because really that trade is to me a part of the Dubon trade. You might as well call this a three-team deal. To me, the Giants traded Baroa and Dubon to end up with Walton and Papierski. And the reason I say that is Donovan Walton is on the Giants' 40-man roster. He has a lot of the same versatility with Dubon. He's played left field. He's played third base. He's played second base. He's played shortstop. But he's a left-handed hitter. And more importantly, he has options. So that's why he was on the Giants roster. He he started the other day, went one for four um, with a double. But when that roster crunch comes, when they want to activate Tommy LaStella or whatever, they'll be able to option Walton down to AAA. And so that was their way of maintaining that depth, right, of having that extra infield piece, that versatile piece that Dubon was giving to them. But now they can't have it at the big league roster. They need to find a way to get to AAA. And so they trade that prospect in Baroa to get Donovan Walton from the Mariners. And for what it's worth, unlike Papierski, while Walton's on the older side too, he's performed well at AAA. Like he, he's a career 300 hitter at AAA. He's also walked quite a lot. He puts the ball in play, makes good contact. And while he's not necessarily viewed as a power hitter, in his short time at AAA, he has actually hit for some pop. He has slugged over 500 at AAA, granted, in the, the hitter-friendly Pacific Coast League. So he's a guy to watch. Again, you know, like all these small moves, right? Zaidi's going to make 20 moves and he's going to hope he gets one Lamont Wade Jr., right? Or one Mike Yastrzemski out of it, right? Like that's the, that's his strategy, right? That's his approach to this. And so any hard to do, but I'd say that's the one to me, them making that move for Donovan Walton. They gave up a prospect who, again, I think I'm not alone. And a lot of people were really intrigued with his skill sets. Walton is a viewing to be, okay, he can be the guy to give us that depth that we lose because we have to move on from Dubon. Mark DeLucci joins us, who's basically just the Bay Area guy, contributor, Niners Nation, Golden State of Mind, baseball pro, and just baseball. Mark, when we're talking about, you know, these new players or these players that can play all these different positions, we've heard positionless basketball and this idea mm-hmm. of positionless baseball. Am I am I crazy to think that this has caught on more lately or has this always been a thing? I mean, growing up, you always had the kids, you know, the utility players that could play different spots. But I feel like there was more of you are an infielder, you are an outfielder or once you made set amount of errors in the infield, now you get moved to the outfield. Nowadays, I feel like if you're right handed, the expectation if you are right handed and you, you do not play a. I guess a premium elite position as in the shortstop catcher or and in, in even center. Now you see get switched around a bit. They are looking for guys that can play all around the field. Is this something that is caught on more or does it just seem to be more pronounced nowadays? Oh, it absolutely has caught on more. I think you can kind of, the, the, the transition starts, I think, in Tampa when you go back to like when Ben Zobrist, right, first showed up in Tampa, the switch hitting guy who could play all over the field, right? Like he was kind of the first, and you've seen this mold since. And basically, and it's, it's something that, again, you're even frankly seeing in like football when we look at kind of the where safety and linebacker is almost becoming kind of this hybrid spot, right? We're seeing this kind of across sports. And, you know, the, we don't, you know, some various implications of that. But I, I think the, the main thing when it comes to baseball is the way teams are approaching team building and, you know, for better or worse, like I think there's pros and cons to it is basically we want our wants, like unless you're a Juan Soto, unless you're a Shohei Otani, right? Unless you're like a generational player, we want to take two or three guys who do maybe one thing really well and try to combine them at each position 
to get the contributions as if we had one of those elite guys, right? Because everyone wants Barry Bonds in left field, right? Everyone wants or all these, all the you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr. or whatever. But there's only so many of those players, right? And so what you're looking at as a team, you're going, okay, well, we don't have that guy in left field who's great or second base that's great. But can we find a guy who's a good left fielder who destroys left-handed pitching? And then can we find another guy who's a good left fielder who destroys right-handed pitching, right? And then maybe can we find another guy who's the best defensive left fielder we got in our organization? And then can we maximize our roster in a way where then basically between what those three guys give us in left field, it's like we had an all-star there, right? That's what the Giants have done did last year, right? They got a lot. If you look at first base, I think they ended up getting about like 45 home runs out of first base. Like they got Freddie Freeman, who ended up winning the MVP, right? They got Freddie Freeman level production out of first base. But that was, you know, large part because of Brandon Belt, but also Darren Ruff and Wilmer Flores and these other guys who are combining for that. And so that's where the positionless thing is so valuable because you ultimately you want to do that but your roster only has 12 or 13 spots on your roster for these eight positions and so if you can have one guy on the bench who can be that piece can be that cog at multiple spots it makes it so much easier to maximize and take advantage of that so that's why we've seen this moving and that's why i think the astros are uh why they value dubon and why again i think dubon is going to be a really good contributor in houston in sort of that limited role and, and again i think the the giants were you know loath to, to give up on him or, or loath to move on move on because they understood that, that, that there's a role he could play even with his limitations. Hey, Mark, so right on cue, the Giants, while rolling out lineups that often have you asking, like in a very Oakland A's way, who's on first, they, they find themselves at one of the top five run-producing teams and one of the top five teams, top six, seven teams in ERA in, in Major League Baseball. They also have one of the better records in Major League Baseball. Yep. Um, they didn't go out and get Marcus Simeon. By the way, I'm never going to get over that. <laughs> I, don't nope. ca- I, don't, I, don't, I don't care if he bats 150 the rest of the season. I'm not going to get over Me it. Me and Shamari, Marcus <laughs> Simeon, and Kevin Gossman are the two we're never going to – I think we're, we're the, I'm, I'm never going to let go of Gossman Ever. as he's dominating out in Toronto too. <laughs> Ever. Uh, but but there was a little bit of promise, though, I thought. Do we – do we uh, will we see Elliot Ramos, Sean Jelly, some of those guys that are in AAA that, that, that maybe, maybe you know, uh, to, to make up for the fact that they didn't give us – uh, the the simians of the world in the off season, right? Well, I mean, this is the the conundrum, right? Like with Brian Sabian in the old regime, and there were ways in which it was frustrating. But the way they approached things was, was kind of standard, and for what it's worth, was probably like the easiest was much easier for players in terms of understanding their place as well. And again, I, I'm not this isn't necessarily a knock on the Giants now because I think. Honestly, if you're talking about what makes Gabe Kapler uh, like his best asset as a manager, is it seems like despite all this weird stuff, despite these weird deployments, it seems like he's able to get buy-in from his players, and that's ultimately the most important thing. But with Sabian, right, they would have never called up a guy like Elliot Ramos until they were committed to making him the everyday out an everyday outfielder, right? Like they would have called him up, and that would have been it. And that's not how the Giants operate anymore. Like they're going to operate as they, they like to kind of get get let these guys kind of dip their toe in the water. You know, get them kind of used to being in the bigs, and then when a spot opens up, we call them up to get them some playing time. And so, you know, the the answer to your question is, I mean, I think it's plausible, but the Giants also have pretty good outfielders right now. Like, you know, if Austin Slater keeps doing well against lefties, right? If you know, if Darren Ruff, well, if Darren Ruff, I should say, his numbers aren't great, but he's been hitting the ball hard, right? Like, if if Darren Ruff is productive, like 
I, I think it's going to be one of those scenarios where Ramos will be called up. He will get some more opportunities here and there, but I, I don't foresee at least in the near future a point where, where like there's going to be, Oh, here's Elliot Ramos and he's here to stay. Uh, and I think similarly with jelly, right? Like uh, again, these disco, on the IL right now, right? Maybe there's it, again, he, everyone's one or two injuries away, right. To, to getting called up here. So, you know, I want to have that caveat in here, but again, like I think, you know, right now, I think Sam long is, is ahead of, um, jelly right now on that depth chart and he's down at triple a so you know again that's the thing about that they kind of play this musical chairs game and so it's hard to get attached to guys i think that you know again for like people like us you know who and you know for people like myself who follow the team so closely it's easier to do that but i think it is something too you know you're seeing attendance numbers dip this year even after how good they are and how competitive they are and i think it's because you know there is like a business marketing side to this is it's just it's harder for people i think to get attached to this team and get attached to these players because again it's they know that very quickly they could be on the other side. Again, Dubon was a fan favorite. Remember when he first got here in 2019, right? Not too long ago, you know, like, and, and you know, the, these things, they cycle through players quickly for, for better or worse. And again, it makes it, they've, they've done a great job of being competitive and having a good team. But I, I do think there, there, there's some of the drawbacks is it's, it's harder for fans to get really invested, right? We talk about the Warriors, right? We, you know, when you're talking about Kevon Looney and, and obviously they have these core guys, right? Like it's been them for how long? And that's part of, I think, why the Warriors have had so much staying power in the Bay. And I think the Giants right now are the complete opposite of that. It's very, it's very Oakland A's-ish. It's very Oakland yeah, A's-ish. It is. Um, a follow-up about Ramos, though. So he came up for like two or three games mm-hmm. and they basically used him as a right-handed platoon hitter uh, have you heard anything about him not hitting lefties well? Is he is is his future as a part of a platoon, or is he going to be a guy that can hit lefties and righties? Well, and again, that sort of gets back to you know where where again the old regime and kind of the more traditional mindset that I even have when I look at this is you don't want to typecast a player into a platoon role so early in their career, right? Because you know you want to give yeah. them a chance to grow and develop to be an everyday player. That's just so much more valuable. Now, again, I think to be fair, my read on the situation is I did not get the sense that the Giants were calling Ramos up because they were like, oh, he's ready and he's ready to go. What my understanding of that circumstance was Ramos was already on the 40-man roster. They were going to be paying a lot of lefties. And they said, you know what, why don't we just get him up here to give him a little taste so he can have his big league debut, maybe hit his first big league homer, things like that. And so with that in mind, I think that kind of contextualizes it, that they, I think when they called Ramos up, they understood they didn't think he was quite ready yet, and so that's why they were doing that. I don't necessarily think that's their hope. I think their hope is he can figure out righties. Now, it's worth pointing out, he's struggling right now at AAA. Since he got sent down, he actually hit a homer today, but that was his first extra base hit in close to three weeks. He's been struggling at AAA to elevate the ball, to take advantage of the the way the ball carries in the Pacific Coast League. Um, but, you know, again, he's the thing about Ramos is he's been in the Giants system, it seems like, forever drafted in 2017, but he's still only 22 years old. He won't be 23 until September. And so, uh, again, I understand that we want to rush and we want to get there. The thing I'm looking at with him, He has the best strikeout rate, his lowest strikeout rate of his career. He has the best walk rate of his career. He's walking at the highest rate. And so I think they're focusing on that approach down there at AAA. And, again, you want to see him start to elevate to hit for some of that power that we know he has. But I'm hoping that in that next month or two we'll start seeing that translate. Because, again, 
with him was always approach. It's like he has good power. He has a solid swing. But there were questions, is he going to make enough contact? Is he going to walk enough? And he, he's actually starting to walk and put the ball in play at a good clip despite being young at AAA. And so now if we can kind of recalibrate, get him hitting some more line drives, get him hitting more fly balls and getting those extra base hits, you know, I, I, we could be potentially talking about at the end of the summer, August, September, that he's tearing up AAA and forcing his way to the big league level. Mark DeLucci joins us, contributor, Niners Nation, Golden State of Mind, baseball prospectus, and just baseball. Mark, we're, we're going all the way around the bay with you. All right, so we, we you, you did great on the Giants. Let's hop over into the dubs. And who do you personally not, you know, we were saying earlier, there's a difference between who do you want to face in the Western Conference Finals and who would you rather face in the Western Conference Finals? So I'm going to pose that question to you. If you are a member of Dub Nation, should you want to face the Suns or the Mavericks or would you rather face the Suns or the Mavericks? It will be easier to beat the Mavs. It will be a better series against the Suns. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at on this. And and, and for me, it, it goes back to, and this may be crazy, Okay, this may be sacrilege to some NBA folks. I'm not convinced that Luka Doncic is that much better of a player than John Morant. Okay. I'm in where I, the way I look at the league right now is there are two players in a league of their own. There's one A, and that's Giannis, and there's one B, and that's Jokic. And player number three to player number 15 is uh, this C of these like young up and comers, these Lukas, these Jaws, and then these people like Steph and LeBron who aren't quite what they were, but obviously could at any point jump up. Like to me, when I see Dallas, I don't see, um, they have a lot of good players. I I like a lot of the players. I I love Jalen Brunson. I like Spencer Dinley. I like all these guys. I've never watched a Dallas Mavericks game and been like, wow, look at how great Luka Doncic has made this player. Mm, yeah. Like Luka Doncic is really good. And to me, it's in a similar way. I mean, we saw right when Luka was hurt in the first round, obviously they weren't a better team, but you saw how Jalen Brunson, right? Like went off in these levels we haven't seen. And Brunson hasn't done that since Luka came back. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think, again, I think there's some similarities between Luka and Ja, and that we see, right? Both of them take up a lot of space. They're, again, they're incredible players. They're top 15 players, top 20 players in the NBA. They're incredible scorers, but they take up a lot of oxygen. They take up a lot of space. And they're on teams that actually have other guys. And I just don't think either of them have gotten to the point where they're accentuating and doing what those doing uh, putting their teammates in those best positions to take that team to the next level, right? That's what separated Steph from Damian Lillard, right? That's mm-hmm. what separated Steph from Chris Paul, even to a certain extent, although again, CP3 is really good at involving his teammates, but I think there's elements to which that those guys haven't gotten there. So that's where I look at Dallas and I see Luca and a bunch of players that I don't think are going to be able to be impactful enough to put them over the hump with the Warriors. Again, I look at Phoenix and, and say, you know, there's there's you know a lot of issues with this series right you know, I'm I've been as surprised as everyone that they haven't been able to put away Dallas but you're still looking down a starting lineup that's got Devin Booker Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton and then you got Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges off the bench who are really good players like the fact is Dallas is starting Reggie Bullock Dwight Powell <laughs> Dorian Finney-Smith and those like those are good NBA players but that's 60% of their starting lineup that I'm looking at and I'm going, not one of those guys am I afraid of beating me 
in a playoff game. Where I'm looking at Phoenix, they got three legitimate guys who could beat me in any game and some really good role players on top of it. Hey, Mark, so the, the, the talk of the last series against the Grizzlies, turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Are you concerned about the Warriors' turnovers, turnover woes? And do you see that being an issue regardless of who they face in the next round? I think you're always concerned. I mean, I think it's kind of like, you know, it, it was one of those things where, like, it comes with the way the Warriors play. They're going to turn over the ball too much. And the question is, is too much 15 turnovers or 55, right? Like, that's always the thing with them. You know they're going to make passes that make you want to pull your hair out. And you know they're going to do these things that are frustrating. And the key is, can they get enough good out of that, right? Can they avoid these egregious turnovers? These Again, like that three-turnover stretch at one point in game six that was just infuriating to watch, right? Like, can they avoid that? And to, to me, though, there's a lot of this series that just came back to their shooters weren't making shots. And in a, in a sense, by the way, that's kind of been low-key a story this whole season, right? Like, Steph has not been the same. Like, Steph's great. But this season was his worst shooting season in years, right? Like, before the dynasty. And the Memphis series, I want to you know, give credit. Memphis is a great defensive team that got better defensively when Morant got hurt, and I think that's a part of this. But, right, Steph shot 40% from three against Denver. He shot 33% against Memphis. Jordan Poole shot 38% from three against Denver. That fell to 32% against Memphis. Clay shot 46% from three against Denver. It fell even with his great game six. He was shooting just – he shot just 36% from three against Memphis. I mean, that's basically one three per game that these guys, that those big three were making in the first round series and were missing in the second round series. That's nine points a game. And again, I, you, I can look at it and say Memphis is a great defensive team. They have the length. They have the physicality to give these guys problems. That's probably part of it. And so I can, that's nine points right there that I can expect the Warriors to start getting back in these other ones. But again, we've seen Jordan Poole will look like a top 10 NBA player one night and a bottom 10 NBA player another. Like, he is streaky. And so maybe Poole is going to kind of crater a bit here, and maybe he's not going to be able to be impactful in the conference finals. And that's huge unless the Warriors are going to get a Clay or Steph that reminds us of 2015, 16, 17, which, again, they've been really good. They've, all, they've each had their great moments. But I don't think we have seen a performance from Clay, a performance from Steph, wire to wire, where we're looking at it, we go, wow, they look exactly like their prime. Like, they're still a percentage of what that is. And so that's where, again, I think if, if Poole can deliver, if the shots can start falling closer to their averages or closer to what they were against Denver, I think they'll be fine. But, you know, like you, I think I heard you guys say earlier, right, it is a make-or-miss league, and, and it is sometimes it just doesn't fall. There you go, Mark. Well, great stuff as always. That was Mark DeLucci joining us, contributor Niners Nation, Golden State of Mind, baseball prospectus, and just baseball. Mark, we didn't get to talk Niners this time, but you know football's king. We will have you on very soon, as soon as that gets rolling a bit closer to that. But thank you, as always, Mark DeLucci, for joining us. And I'll leave you with this, Mark. The the Pirates beat the Cincinnati Reds today, and they did not record a hit. They won one wow. nothing. They were three walks in a row and then a ground out to score run. So I'm sure you'll have fun looking up that box score. There's not much to look at, but uh, I don't know when the last time that happened. But thank you for everything, Mark. Hey. Yeah, yeah, seriously, seriously. Hey, but Appreciate it, guys. Y'all hold down the fort. I'll be back anytime. That was Mark DeLucci. We got to get to a break. When we get back, we'll finish up our conversation on this wild baseball game that I've never heard anything like that. And we will get back to dubs. Alan Sal, Shamari Block, 95.7 The Game. 
Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The one-time dynasty trying to get back to the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2019. Just tonight, that night, Curry off the screen, deep three, good! Ten-point lead for the Warriors, 102-92 is the first double-digit lead for either team. Now back to 95-7, the game. The, the once, once dynasty, well, the dynasty is, is still rolling, right? 2019, I know it was a bit ago, but, you know, the Warriors found a way, even if it wasn't, the, the way you would have liked through injuries and things like that, they have they have elongated their window, Shamari. Alan Sal, Shamari Block here, 95-7 the game on a Sunday fun day. The dynasty, they're trying to build back to it. And it, I know there have been a couple champions since, but I still feel like it never ended, right? I mean, well, I mean it's you, the Warriors. You still have the same guys. You have, still have the same core. I mean, is Mo Buckets in town? No. Is uh, Barbosa? No. But you still got Steph Clay, Draymond Green. And the supporting cast has changed. So the dynasty doesn't die until those dudes retire. Exactly. Yeah. No, this is Duncan Ginobili and uh, Parker, man. Well, and to that point, as far as what Dylan Brooks was saying with the Warriors getting old – Wait, we're talking about Dylan. Well, well, just because we're no, talking about the, we're talking about no, the no, dynasty, we're talking about the <laughs> dynasty, and him saying, "Well, they're getting old," and everybody's saying, "Well, we got Kaminga and we got Pool and things like that." And I understand that Dub Nation is going to say that, right? Because you're supposed to say that. But we all know what he meant, okay? You have two of the best shooters of all time. When those guys, and that, that is no slight on Kaminga, whatever he's going to be, whatever Jordan Poole ends up being. But to Dylan Brooks, I would also say, we don't even know what you, your team is going to be. I, I mean, I've been seeing so much stuff on Grizzlies Twitter. Dylan Brooks might get traded. So he might have a lot of plans. Ah, right. He might have a lot of plans, but those pl- the Grizzlies might not have plans for him. To Dylan Brooks, I would say, your braids look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's one way to go about it. Uh, before, because yeah, I'm petty like that. No, yeah, we, we know that. We know that. Petty mayonnaise. That's your nickname. That's your nickname. So before the break, we were talking to Mark DeLucci, who is always, always, you know, top dog when it comes to talking Bay Area sports. And we were discussing at the very end. I had a buddy text me, and he said that the. Pirates won a game. They beat the lowly Cincinnati Reds, who their fan base, they're just as upset as the A's as far as not wanting to spend money. They lost a game to the Pirates, and the Pirates did not record a hit. And even better, the Reds never recorded an error. They walked three people in the eighth, 
and there was a ground ball, and the Pirates scored on the ground ball, and they came back in the top of the ninth and shut the Reds down and won a game without recording a hit. So I, I don't know. And a fielder's choice. Yes. I, so so, <laughs> I, wait, so here's the thing, right? Like, is that is that? I mean, obviously this is historic, but is that like good? Like, it, I, I feel like that's vomitable. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a vomitable outcome, man. Like, how it's do you like, feel? A, a win, is this the, is this the line of a win's a win? This is the ultimate line of a win's a win, sure, but yeah. Do you celebrate? Do you celebrate after this, or do you go into your locker and cry, man? Like, you know, who who should celebrate? The Pirates or the Reds? I mean, you threw a no hitter. Now, now runs are down all across Major League Baseball, in large part. Because they took the juice out of the balls. You heard about this, right? Mm-hmm. They unjuiced the balls. Well, they, they, they've been like putting them in a humidifier and a bunch of weird stuff. Yeah. It's, that's Major League Baseball does too much tinkering mm-hmm. to the game. And that, to me, is is probably the biggest faux pas. That's the biggest obstacle towards getting people to watch is that I just got used to watching balls fly out. Now they're like, well, now, you know, a, 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 a moonshot, it's not even gonna, it's, it's not even going to get anywhere near the warning track. Well, did you see the thing yesterday where two guys hit a ball at the same launch angle and same exit velo? One went 50 feet farther than the other. And I don't, and nobody knows how to explain that. Something weird's going on. Baseball, wait, wait, this is in the same same ballpark? I believe it was the same ballpark. Weather conditions, everything. I believe like, so. Don't quote me on that. Down. Okay. Don't quote me on that. But ultimately, baseball is just, they're always too concerned with the wrong things. I did want to <laughs> say, I did want to say, but we, we just had to say that note because I've never seen something like that. That's some Little League stuff right there. I mean, winning a game without a hit, but I guess a win is a win no, li- is a win. Little, no, Little League is, I, I, I had a fielder's, I, I, I got on base on an error, and then I stole home on three airs. That's literally it's science. It's yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. We do have a final in Boston. Boston is moving on to face the Heat. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks. The reigning champs have been knocked out. The Giannis train has stopped. It has been stopped in Boston. It went off the tracks. 109 to 81. And it was close for a bit. The Celtics seemed to pull away towards the end. Uh, and they just look good, man. They look good. I mean, the the Bucks, they never back down. And I understand. I would put Boston in one of those hostile environments when you're talking about being on the road. But oh, the, the Bucks, they yeah. were able to get wins there. They were able to get wins. Just weren't able to to get it done in Game Six. Got to come back. And everybody's been really high on the Celtics because of what they did to the Nets. Now what they do here, and you know they're going to be the favorites against the Heat. I am interested in this series because I do think that Jimmy Butler is a winner. I don't think he's a superstar per se, but he is a winner and he's a gritty guy and he's going to put the team on his back. And if you can get Tyler hero to, you know, get Jack Harlow, a part two song going or whatever the case is, <laughs> get him rolling a bit. Six man of the year, Duncan Robinson, bam out of bio. Like you mentioned before, I think it's going to be a closer series than what everybody expects. But I do think that Celtics have, more horses in the stable. Ooh, let, let's just backtrack just a little bit, though, because the entire state of Wisconsin is going to swear for the next 20 years if Chris Middleton, <laughs> if Chris Middleton doesn't get injured, then they they handle the Celtics, right? So that's the first thing. It, it, just like the Dubs are going to have it all. Oh, well, you know, you guys didn't have Jamal Murray when you played the this and all that, and Ja got hurt in the second. Like like the the Celtics are going to have to to not wear. Yeah, they're going to have to wear that. Oh, well, you guys, you know, won because Middleton went down. 
Yeah. No, I when that, now Middleton returns, right? Well, he was going to return. Now he's done. So I, I hear what he, you're he, saying. He's returning to the golf course. Yeah, he, he returned <laughs> to Cancun is what mm-hmm. he's doing. I, I get what you're saying, and we always forget about that once that team wins without said player, right? The same way Warriors with GP2 when they won. Okay, Warriors are okay. And I'm not comparing GP2 and what he is on that team to – to Chris Middleton, but ultimately, you're right. This Heat team is fully loaded for whatever that may mean, and now you have the Celtics, and the Celtics do not have home court. That would be the Heat because they are the one seed. I was going to say, Heat got to have the weakest, the weakest, weakest one seed ever. Shamari, I was watching those games against the 76ers. I thought it was was a random game in February. (laughs) I don't know how the traffic is. I've been to Miami one time. Great time. Great time out there, but it, clearly it's a great time because nobody's attending the basketball games. I mean, it, it does not look like playoff basketball, and I think that is really going to hurt Miami because the Celtics, they just went, they just did what they needed to do in Milwaukee. And Milwaukee, they, they get it popping out there. So if you can win in Milwaukee, Miami is, is going to be an issue from a court standpoint. Miami is a football city. Florida is a football state, man. I mean, the Marlins and the, and the Heat, like they're not even second class citizens. They're third, the the University of Miami, Florida State football, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know what, what what's a Florida. random. Well, wait, no, what's a Florida? Yeah, yeah. Well, what's another random university in the state of Florida? Like they all come before the Heat and the Marlins, man. That's just the way it goes. Um, that said, this Heat team is legit. They were in the finals two. They were in the finals two years ago. Mm-hmm. Don't they, forget. They, don't forget about the Cinderella run in the March Madness Tournament, Florida Gulf Coast. Exactly. There you exactly. go. From the top rope, Brian comes all the time. But no, man, you know what? I Now, I'm I, I am I'm never going to pick the Heat to win the series, right? But also, don't don't sleep. Don't sleep on the Heat, man. They, they got something going on. And you know what? It it it, it might work out in their favor, man. Like, like I'll put it like this. If you put a gun to my head and told me to 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 you know pick a team, first I'd be like, wait, why are you this serious about me picking a team? But then, you know, once I realized that you're gonna shoot, then I would probably say, okay, I'm picking Boston. But I wouldn't I wouldn't bet money on this series. Like I wouldn't put money on either team in this series, man. I, I say it's it's a lot closer and way more up in the air than you think. Earlier on the Xfinity Mobile text line, somebody said that Jimmy Butler is in the same tier or class, if you will, as DeMar DeRozan. Now, I don't think so. I think he's he's above DeRozan. Mm. You'd have to put him above DeRozan because he really did take that team to the finals. Tyler Hero did play out of his mind. Duncan Robinson did play out of his mind. In the bubble, right? No fans, whatever the case may be. But Jimmy, I mean, we the meme of Jimmy leaning over, right? During the game, like, he had just tried his best to get this thing done and ultimately wasn't able to, I, I think that I would put Jimmy over DeRozan, but it is, it. I get where they were coming from. Mm, yeah, I, yeah, no, yeah, no, he's he's above. He, he's, but again, it's like, how do you classify him? It's like, it, 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 he's difficult to, because again, we established this, we said this earlier, and I don't think anybody, not a superstar, not a superstar, star, yes. Yeah, I would give him star yeah, status. Yeah, he's a star. Jimmy's a star. Um, superstar, no. But then when you start naming the stars like DeMar DeRozan, well, it's like, well, no, he's better than that guy, right? He's he's, well, he's Is he better than Devin Booker? Mm. 
I now, would say at yes. this exact moment in their career, yes. When Devin Booker is at, you know, just past his prime, if you will, I think he's probably going to be better than Jimmy Butler, especially offensively, right? But Jimmy Butler, what he gives you as a defender, as a, you know, his all-around game, at this moment in their career, he's better than Booker. Well, I would say the thing about Booker, and it's and I know he's super young, so it's hard. But if we're talking about if we're talking about moving forward and what it seems to be, I know you have CP3 now, and he is obviously going to be the leader. But let's say CP3 leaves at this point in his career, Devin Booker doesn't seem to be heading in that leader direction, right? Like at work, you have people that take the management track, the people manager, (laughs) and the individual contributor track, right? Same idea here. It feels like Devin Booker to me is on that individual contributor track versus, you know, the Jimmy Butler people management track. And Jimmy Butler even had... Those that whole thing where is he a bad teammate? This down the third. Now you got Joel Embiid on the edge of tears, saying, "I can't <laughs> believe they got rid of my guy." So Jimmy Butler has really transformed, you know, how everybody views him in that way. When you're looking at this series, I think it's a battle of every, who is going to take that step. This yeah. is the series of the steppers, right? The Kendrick, the worldwide steppers. Who's going <laughs> to take the step? Jason Tatum, are you going to take the step? Jimmy Butler, I know you've been to the finals before. Can you do it again? Right. This is this is that series. Who is going to break through? While we while we're on the subject, though, are you shocked? Like, like, what's your shock level? And we know no Chris Middleton. What's your shock level that not only are the not only did the Milwaukee Bucks, not only are they not going to repeat, they're not even going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals after winning it all last year. Bucks out before the Eastern Conference Finals. What's your shock level? I if if I you if you went back to the beginning of the season and told me Bucks are done in round two, I I would I would uh, yeah I would I, I wouldn't believe you you know I mean stink. you you, you would have had to show me you know like the the headlines you'd have to show like if you if you if you went back, if you went back to to September and said the Bucks are going to be out I, I'm from the future the Bucks are going to be out in round two and Will Smith is going to slap Chris Rock. <laughs> then I'd be like, you're, like, you're not from the future. Get out of here. Okay? Right. You would, wow, dude. <laughs> you would, I'm just saying. You would laugh it off, but that's because, right, the Celtics had a pretty slow start, and they've been able to turn it around, and they just got hot and have stayed hot, and all these pieces are starting to click. And to see what they did against the Nets, albeit the Nets didn't have Joe Harris. They had, they had Kevin Durant and they had Kyrie Irving. So I think that set the tone, and that's why people got on this Celtics train. And when, you, But again, what you would say if somebody told you that, what you would really say is, well, who got injured? And then they would yeah, say you, Chris Middleton. Right. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, no, no. Because you would have had to tell me that Giannis got injured. No, <laughs> like, Chris Middleton's no, Chris, our closer. He is. He is. But I'm just, oh, I don't know, man. This is still, like, I, I, I believe it because, you know, I see it now. But I'm also just like, the the, the Bucks are, the Bucks are, they're not going to, like, we're going to watch the in the NBA Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals with no Giannis. That when was last? That hasn't happened in what, like three years? Yeah, three yeah. four years. It's pre pandemic since we haven't seen Giannis in the mix in in the finals in some kind of way. Yeah, well, and getting back to Jimmy Butler though, I think with him, he just is able to galvanize teammates. He gets everybody going. Just like. It, it's provocative. It gets the people going. That's Jimmy Butler to this Heat team. I'm looking here. Every time Jimmy Butler touches the basketball 
and he's behind the three-point line, they talk about how poor his three-point shooting is. He shoot he's a career 23% free throw shoot or three-point shooter, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but, at, but when the, it's terrible. Yeah. But when the game is on the line, I have actually seen Jimmy Butler make more threes. Not that I watch a ton of Heat basketball, but I've seen him make more threes in important games than I've seen him miss going back to the bubble and in the playoffs. This is a guy who just finds a way and it goes again. It's a it's a cliche that gets used, but it goes beyond the box score and the scorebook. He does things that are not necessarily quantifiable and everybody sees that and they ride with him. And that is why I would never count out the heat, even though the Celtics do seem to be rolling. And the Celtics, now from a Warriors standpoint, I would much rather face the heat because I think defensively the Celtics cause a lot of problems for everybody, including the Warriors. But I would not count out Jimmy Butler getting this done. Do I think it'll happen? I don't know. I would probably say no just because the Celtics – the Celtics are a bit boomer bust too with all the three-pointers they shoot, but they do have their closer in Jason Tatum, and then they have their, their defensive X factor in Marcus Smart. So Jimmy Butler so far this playoffs averaging 28.7 points per game. How high do you think the second highest person on the what do you think how high do you think how many points do you think number 2 is scoring per game? On the Heat, on the Heat. Do they is it is it is it Tyler Hero? And it is not Tyler okay, Hero. Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you it's Bam. Then I I would say 15. Yeah, 4 4 15. Yeah. 15 but 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 when compared to and I don't I don't have the Warriors pulled up so I'm going to do this mostly from memory the Warriors Steph's averaging 27 in the in the postseason but then you have Jordan Poole and Klay Thompson both averaging just a tick I think Klay's averaging 20 exactly and Jordan Poole's averaging 19.7 mm-hmm. okay you get what I'm saying you like, got guys yeah. you got guys he's getting a lot more help and I know Bam what Bam does defensively what he does is a rebounder Tyler Hero shooting you know like it, but but this is the this is the Jimmy Butler show. It is like more so than it. I, I, ja had more help than Jimmy Butler. Uh, I, I'm gonna Jokic probably yeah Jokic. Uh, okay, so anybody outside of Jokic of any team in this playoff, he had the least amount of help, if you will, he had more out help. of anybody outside of Jokic. Right. I mean, and, and they're in the, and they're in the, the Sixers Eastern had more. And Bead had more help. <laughs> and Bead had uh, this. It, that only that only counts if you consider. James Harden help. I, I say James Harden hurts you, especially this Tobias point in his Harris career. Tobias Harris getting paid cash flow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, do we yeah. have You have to do it that way. Uh, uh, Maxi, Maxi was balling this year. So True, true. But no, no. Jimmy, Jimmy Buckets, though, he had the least help out of anybody not named Jokic in the, in the playoffs. And here he is. He has this team. He had, like, uh, he, Jimmy Butler, has taken his team, willed his team, if you will, to the Eastern Conference Finals. And you got to love that. And you don't know, right, what's going to happen as far as going into this series because on the offensive end, seems like you can't play Duncan Robinson because he's barbecue. He's your lunch, literally, <laughs> barbecue chicken on, on, on defense. So that's not going to work against the Celtics. Or if you get up against the Warriors or the Suns, so you can't really get him offensively going. So that hurts the Heat. That's why I, I would just lead towards uh, the Celtics. They, they honestly, to me, they look like a really, really good. And this is not a slight. It's just the way that they're playing right now is is that that college or that high school team that just knows everything that's going on. And then you have that closer in Jason Tatum. So at the end of the game, mm-hmm. you break away from that offense and you say, 
Go get a young fella. Get us a W. And that is what scares me about the Celtics and specifically the fact that they compete on defense. They compete on defense. And when the Warriors, I know they weren't fully loaded, but when they played at Chase Center, that's when Steph got hurt, actually. They were all over the war. That was during that stretch where the Celtics just couldn't seem to lose. That is what would worry me about the Celtics. But I'm not going to count the chickens before they hatch. The Warriors got to take care of whether it be the Suns or the Mavs. You know what? I, I felt like it was... B Rabbit with B Rabbit in the first round. Hey, B Rabbit, you drew Lickety in the first round. No. <laughs> and, 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 and Steph is just in the bathroom, like, good. I don't care who it is. Yeah. I don't care yeah, who it is. Because yeah. I think that's how the Warriors feel. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Oh, no. But I kind of feel like, and I don't know who, I don't know who this, I don't know who the preference is, but I guarantee you, if you could, you know, inject the truth serum into Steph's veins and ask him, who do you want to play? Who would you rather play? He'd have an answer. Like all that, oh, I don't really care. You, they care. There, there's somebody, whether it's because you want to you want to show them up or whatever, or because you think that's your easiest path, your path to lethal resistance, they, they have a team they want to play. They're never going to tell you who it is. And honestly, I don't know who it is either, man. But I, 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 would, I would imagine that it, when you talk about the Eastern Conference teams, it's Miami. <laughs> but right. also, wait, but also, though, be careful what you wish for. Wish for. Here's the thing with Miami, though, is that they're not a Cinderella story, man. So, so here's my thing with Cinderella stories: is that I've seen they're the, the movie. one seed. They're the one seed. Exactly. No, but I've seen the movie Cinderella a few times. Okay, it doesn't matter. She always turns into a pumpkin at midnight. Okay, mm-hmm. so you can't. So Cinderella's the Cinderella stories. They don't. They don't make it. The underdogs lose. The 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 big uh, the the monsters win. Okay, that's the way life works. That said, if you look at this objectively, if you look at it from a pure numbers, rankings, et cetera, et cetera, the Miami Heat are the Monstars. They are the team. They, they got all the wins. They, they did all the winning this season. Um, and they, again, they should, they're not going to be the favorites, and they should, man. But don't count. Jimmy Buckets and company out, man. I would I wouldn't count him out. I wouldn't count him out either. All right, we got to get to a break. When we get back, we're going to switch it up a little bit. Let's talk about that Niners schedule and how Shamari's feeling. He's already he's already looking at flights and hotels and we want to know are are you doing the same thing when we get back? What games are you the most excited for? What games are you the most nervous for looking at this Niners schedule? It's 95-7 the game Sunday fun day. Allen Styles, Shamari Block, we'll be right back. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.